This is the S-Rock Podcast. We got a big fight this week. I meant to get to this earlier today. I got to get up early tomorrow. It's Thursday late. I don't like usually doing these podcasts on Thursday. I want to do it on Wednesday. I want to give you guys time to listen. I want to give people time to listen to, you know, get built up for the fight. But we got to do it on Thursday. But it's a big fight, and I knew I needed to get this out. I wanted to get this done earlier today. Jumped on Twitter. Saw space. Which is the you know one of the best things that social media is doing right now, right? One of the social media sites, that's the Twitter space is one of the best things being done right now. Recognize the names, new probably some good boxing talk was happening. I get on there, we're talking. I'm talking an hour and a half just yelling on my phone, three inches away from my mouth. And you know what? I, and I, I don't regret it. I don't. I do not regret it. I can talk boxing all day. I can talk fighting all day. We even talked UFC. It was a boxing space. We talked UFC. We did. But let's talk UFC right now. Let's talk Francis Ngannou versus Serial Gain, which I, I I really, I really feel like it's going under the radar. I really feel like this fight, which should be a mega fight, which should be probably the biggest fight of the year, honestly. You're talking about, to me, the best matchup of heavyweights ever of all time, and especially if it's for the belt. This is the best matchup. And I just feel like it doesn't have the hype. And I don't know if it has to do with the negotiations with Nagano. I don't know if, you know, people don't know who Gan is. But this is a hell of a fight. And when I watched the, you know, the the when I scouted the their previous matches and built, you know, wrote down their weaknesses and their pos and their their um their the positive parts of their game and you know kind of just broke down the fight. I just got more and more excited because it's just so much potential. There's so much ways this fight can go. There's so much, you know, ebbs and flows it can take, right? And you got a guy like Francis Ngannou who, you know, was the power, is and was the power puncher, right? But why I say was is because he doesn't look like he just relies just on that anymore. Now, yes, does the power need to play a big factor? Yes, it still does. But he's more patient now, right? He has more skill now. It looks like he, he feels a little more, he feels a lot more comfortable in the ground game. He feels a lot more comfortable grappling. Um... Maybe I think his stamina is still a problem, right? But I think that he knows how to space it out. I think he's more patient. I don't think he's not going to blow his load like he did in the first Stipe fight. I just think he's all around more confident fighter. He's better technical. Technically, he's better um, at, you know, straight shots, putting combinations together. He still gets wild when he feels, you know, when he gets in a spot where he feels like he can get wild. He's still going to take chances. He's... Comfortable defending a takedown against Stipe, who's a pretty good wrestler. He defended the takedown. He um, stuffed it. Got it. Got got to the back of Stipe. And you got Serial Gain, right? Who and it's, it's Serial Gun. Serial Gun. I want to pronounce it correctly. Serial Gun. Who is fluid, right? Loose, but not like you know he needs a. Uh, not like he's undersized, right? No, he's just as big as Nagano. And he can move and he can do all the techniques of a smaller guy. His movement is his soul, he's so light in his feet. And you're like, usually what would happen, right, is like you would have, uh, you know, Nagano reign for like years. And then Gan would come and they would just miss each other by era and you would just talk about like oh he was just a few years before no we're getting this right now two guys in their prime ready to go we're getting that right now and i just feel like i'm not the excitement there but this is going to be a great fight and when i say a great fight is i mean we're going to get an absolute here right on the outcome on what 
exactly happens when they fight. What is what is it going to look like? We're going to get all that. Now, entertainment-wise, well, they're previous training partners, right? And that means they sparred. And there's um, claims of what happened in sparring. There's a video, right, short clip of uh, Gon looking like to get the better of it. I don't take much from it. You know, they sparred a lot. There's probably a lot of footage of it. You can easily section out one, you know, one-minute clip of one guy doing better than the other guy. I don't, like I said, I don't take much of it. What I do take from it, though, is there's can either go two ways when this happens. Is they're so comfortable with each other, so familiar with each other, that they get right into what they're confident in doing against each other. And sometimes that can lead to a better fight. Like, if a lot of guys that fight in Ghana are kind of... Scared of the unknown, right? Of not knowing what his power is really like. What his shots are really going to feel like. So, they're very tentative. But Gon has fouled his power. Now, maybe with headgear or with 16-ounce gloves. But he still fouled his power, right? He has some familiarity with it. He's not going in there without un- with, with unfamiliarity. So, what that means is that he might be comfortable with getting on the inside of Gon. Right? He might be uncomfortable exchanging with Gon because he knows what's coming. There's no unfamiliarity there. And with Gon, that means that he might be used to... Uh, I mean, Nagato, it might, be, it might mean he's used to Gon's um, speed, tempo, movement. And he might get straight to what he's good at. But what it also could mean is they're so familiar with each other that it kind of like stalls out. That they each know what each guy is trying to do. And this fight stalls out. It happens a lot of times when a guy ends up fighting each other more than two times. The third fight sometimes stalls out. It happens in boxing a lot. Right? If you watch Orlowski versus Tim Sylvia, that happened in their fights too. These fights stall out. And that could happen too. But I just think that of the unknown of what's going to happen when these two guys fight. Of, you know, what's going to work and what's not going to work. I think that's what makes it so great. Now, when I break it down, right, I think gone. And it's, if you look at that, of what he did against Derek Lewis, which was a complete schooling. What he did against uh, Volkov, which was a complete schooling. What he did against um, Rajek, which was a, a, a complete schooling. He's been dominant in everything he's done. Now, do I see little little clips, right, of him being uncomfortable? Yes, he could be, right? He fights really straight. He fights sideways. He fights really, uh, when I mean straight, like straight up tall. He, he stays at this kind of the same height. He doesn't have a lot of upper body movement. A lot of his uh, defense relies on him uh, keeping distance. And I say this a lot. You know what I mean? Um, there's things that I look for, like the simple things when I break down a fight, it's like, what does this guy like to do defensively? Is he moving his head? Is he about timing? Is he about angles? Does he get around you? Does he get away from shots? Is he uses space to get away from shots? Does he usually get on the inside to get away from shots? Ghani gets on the outside of his shots. He likes to keep a distance, a safe distance, because he, well, he's Muay kickboxing. He, he could kick you from far away. He could jump in. He feels light in his feet, so he's going to move around the ring, right? So he feels like he creates space because he's light in his feet. That's what he does. I've seen guys take a second step when they go in on him and don't give up and they rush him. And I've seen Gon get his back turned, especially if he goes for a sidekick and the guy times it right, they could get to his back. And the thing with Nagano is Nagano likes to do that. He did it with Stipe. And if he gets behind you, and he's done it with a few guys, right? So it's a, it's a, um, it's an outcome that happens uh, multiple times in some of his fights is that he jumps on a guy and he somehow swings to their back because they panic. And Gon does that. And I think that Nagano will get to his back at one point in this fight. I think that could be, honestly, a, a, a crucial point in this fight and how much damage he can do at that point. 
But I think Dugano's going to have to be patient in this fight to not blow his load missing early because he's going to miss early because he's going to have a... There's going to be a lot of filling out in the first round. Maybe in the second round. Now, I don't think Gon has the, the, the you know, one-punch knockout power. I don't think he's close. I think he... Don't even think he's that hard a hitter in this weight division. Now, he did st- stop Derek Lewis, who Derek Lewis has a, you know, granite head. But I think that was a lot of Derek Lewis too, like, just mentally being broken down and just not having a chance in the fight. I think that that kind of happened. That's a part two. It was just such a schooling that he was just wait, it was kind of ready to wilt. Now, we know Nagano's not going to do that. But Nagano's not unhurtable, right? Uh, Stipe hurt him. Stipe hurt him in the first fight, and Stipe actually hurt him in the second fight, right before Stipe got put to sleep. So he is hurtable, and he does get open, especially when he's eager to get uh, some shots off. But I don't think Gon's going to have the power to put him out in this fight. So he's going to have to fight perfect for about five rounds. Right? And we're going to have to see how his chin holds up when Nagano lands. Now, can Gon keep the distance for five rounds? I just, I can't see it for five rounds. I think maybe early, yes. In 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 uh, segments, yes. But I think that he might have to step in on Nagano, right? He might, there might be, when I see Nagano fight, the, where he's most effective is that mid-range. And he's quick and he doesn't second-guess himself in the mid-range. You get the mid-range, he's going to let go of shots. So to me, Nagano, uh, Gon has to be all the way out or all the way in. And I think that all the way in would be Kind of not what people expect, but I think that he could find some good success there. Especially because he's so good with elbows, he's so good in the clinch, and he needs good in the clinch. And I think that he might be able to wear on Nagato, who, at that point of being that close, he's going to take his chances and increase his offense because he's going to feel like you're in his range. And he's going to be, you know, if Gon is stepping out the whole time and he can't get to him, well, when he's on the inside, he's going to be like, well, there ain't no better chance than now. And he's not that tight. He's not that good with tight punches. He's really good in one range, and that's the mid-range. He's very confident in that. If you look at any of his fights, the inside is not where he does his best work. But Francis Nagano, right, who... Like I said, he's getting more patient to preserve his power. Who's become a little more technical. If you remember, we knocked out Stipe. What started all that, right, with him hurting Stipe, was a straight jab. He did like a straight jab that rocked Stipe. And that was the beginning of the end. And I think that Nagano's going to have that offense. is going to be better than it was last time. Because he's not a guy that's like rested on his power he's not and it's because Stipe taught him a lesson and they fought and he realized like hey I gotta increase my game because these guys are just gonna not the the best guys don't just get caught they really don't and you gotta really earn it and I think that he's gonna have straight shots like that this now will he go wild yes of course because that's in his nature and that's you know that's that's the chances he'll take because he trusts his power If Gon has controllable ranges, right, what's Nagano going to do to to get him in the mid-range and not blow his load? 
and you would have to think that it's um you would have to think it's jam, right? And his leg kick. Because I think Nagano, I think what's gonna happen is Gon's gonna start off and he's gonna go uh of course to keep the distance. And he's gonna do kick him in the he's gonna kick Nagano in the leg. And he usually does like a light leg kick and then he'll switch to get the best angle for to start adding power to it. I think Nagano's gonna try to match that. I think Gon's gonna win the first round. I think Gon's gonna look pretty much similar in the second round, and I think that's when uh I mean, Agon's going to look yeah similar in the second round. I think Nagano's going to explode in the third. And when he explodes in the third, and Gon is, you know, a little bit more there, right? A little more comfortable, a little more willing to take chances. I think that those explosions and those big shots might cause Gon to panic, right? Remember, Gon is still very effective against those guys but remember Nagano's lesson when he fought for the title the first time right at that level with that kind of guy I think Gon might show something like that in the third round right and I think he might turn his back I think Nagano who's I've seen him take advantage of those situations right with big shots is going to land something meaningful right and I think he'll hurt Gon and I think from that point right will be the beginning of the end and from if he doesn't stop him from that position well, he'll have him hurt, he'll have him rock, and the fight will change from that point. And it, we'll see if Gon can survive and get the second win to finish the fight to get a decision, right? Or will that one shot that he lands when he starts picking up the pressure and Gon gets stuck in these positions, will he do enough damage to where he can't recover and it's just Nagano chasing him, putting it on him, and gone wilts to the power because that's what i see happening here right because it's the first time here and there's still things i see him going backwards getting stuck in positions that i think god could take advantage of now i'm sorry nagano could take advantage of and i think nagano's first of all he knows that i think so because he's seen it before i think he's seen the training before he's trained with him before he, he's sparred with him before but I, I think also is that nagano's experience at this and at this he's fought so much at times at this level that he just going to be so much more comfortable even if he loses the first two rounds and I, I, I expect extreme patience from Nagano in this fight now what's the counter right for uh, Gon in this fight and like I said it's all about range stay all the way out or all the way in and I think the inside is going to be very effective for him but how does he work his way on the inside going through the fire right It would have to be with, you know, he would have to probably, you know, I would imagine, right, set Nagano up to where Nagano feels like he's going to, you know, set him up where Nagano feels like he could jump in and step in with him to, to, to take that range, right? Let Nagano lose positioning where he's set for you to step into that range, make him take a step and meet him halfway where you can get into that range and control him. I told you, Nagano's not sharp there. It's And he's, from far away, he gets wild. That mid-range is very sharp. So it's all about range for Nagano, right? I mean, for Gon. It's all about range. Don't load up either. If you're going to look to put it, start putting it on him, it's going to be late, later in the fight. Don't give up anything big early. Let Nagano, face Nagano as he diminishes later in the fight. Look to just, to... Pity pat shots. 
win the rounds and don't let to do considerable damage yet. Because if you do, if you look at the, you know, I'm going to put it on him. He, the thing is, you're, you don't want to go to land early. Because especially, too, if you want to get it hurt, get hurt late where there's less time to survive, right? There's less time you can, you know, you don't want to get hurt in the second round and then have to, all oh, three rounds, can you hold up? No, you want to get hurt fourth or fifth round, right? That's when you can take your chances. Especially when Nagano doesn't have the full, you know, clip loaded. I can't wait for this fight. I think that this fight, you know, the winner should get John Jones. If not, the winner could fight Stipe. But this is, to me, like... The best heavyweight fight that could be made. It's the best heavyweight fight in the UFC all time, in my, my opinion. Especially, like, skill level and what, what the guys are capable of in the ring. Especially, like, the size of the human beings. And you might see this fight multiple times, right? This could be a great fight where, like, the guy is able to move and out kickbox, right? Nagano. And Nagano's the guy with the power, but, you know, also technically getting better. And it could just be that fight where these guys are just perfectly made for each other to make a good fight. And the familiarity makes uh, Gon not afraid of the power. And they just have some wild exchanges. It could all be that. I'm going to pick Nagano in this fight. But I wouldn't be surprised if they keep meeting. Uh, they meet a second time or a third time. On the undercard, right in the co-main event, you have Brandon Moreno versus Devisian Figueiredo. And when they fought the first time, right, I thought Figueiredo... You know, maybe didn't take Moreno serious, right? Didn't cut weight correctly. And in the rematch, he'd be more effective, right? He would be able to apply his game, and maybe he just was too aggressive in the first fight. Second fight comes, right? And Figueredo looks like he struggled more to cut weight. Gets completely smoked. Uh, Moreno's all over him, schooling him, right? Standing up on the ground. Body lock control. And then I realized is that that was the weight cut issue. Right? That was the what it looks like with the weight cut issue. And the other one was probably more realistic to like the best it could come for figure it out in this fight. So I'm going to learn my lesson. Now, right? They're fighting for a third time. I'm going to learn my lesson and say Brandon Moreno is just the better of the two. And especially at this weight class. And I don't think Figueredo can really comfortably make this weight class anymore. But I do think it'll be better than the last fight. He'll be more there. But I don't expect a lot more to change because what Figueroa needs to do, right, is not only have the stamina to go five rounds of Moreno, which I don't think he does, especially at this weight class, but he would need to set up his big shots. He can't just go with big shots. He can't just be like, oh, I'm going to land a massive shot on him. No, no, no. You need to be able to set it up. And there's a jab there that he has a more powerful jab, right? He's more of a natural fighter than uh, Moreno. He has more natural ability, but he relies too much on the natural ability. And when Moreno, who doesn't have the natural ability, that doesn't have the God-given gifts of in the power or strength, he's learned all these tools. He has all these tools in his bag. So if one thing is not working, he goes to another. If that's not working, he goes to another. And he, because he doesn't have great speed or great power, he has to set stuff up. He has to have tricks in his bag to... To make up for this. But Figueroa doesn't. Figueroa has power. He has speed. His natural timing ability. So he never learned those tricks. So when, it, when you're getting here. is a guy that could do so many things. And Figueroa who could. Gifted to do. You know. Big shots. Gifted with timing. Gifted all, all these things. But 
he never learned to like take the full capability of them and set them up with other stuff, right? Other tools. He just says, I can do this and I'll just do this. Now, yes, he's been, Figueroa has gotten better in the UFC, right? I'm not saying he's not gotten better, he's not improved, but it's just when it's the little stuff when they fight each other. It really is. Like the body lock that Moreno lands on him. And Figueroa really doesn't have an answer for it. And Figueroa tries to do it like naturally with his hips or explode or, you know, use his speed or something like that. But it just doesn't work. And then Moreno takes him down and he controls him. He doesn't control for long. And he, Figueroa usually kind of pops back up. But Moreno's getting those points. And then they get to fighting and... uh Moreno has little shots, right? He doesn't have shots that are always power. He has little shots, little counters. Uh, his jab is more, it's busier. He's got head kicks, right? He's got, but he doesn't put a lot on him. He's just able, like, he's just constantly working. And Figueroa's kind of like, ah, come on, like, why am I not landing my big shot? Why is he not going to sleep? And it's funny that his gifts are, you know, what's holding him back most in this matchup. And I expect more of the same. I think Moreno's going to out-jab him. I think Moreno's going to out-counter him. I think Moreno's going to control his body with the body lock. And I wouldn't be surprised if Moreno, with the confidence, right, of winning the title, now confidence of being the number one guy, improves even more as a fighter because of self-belief now. And Figueroa is going in with that doubt, right? And now he's going, like, I got to make weight. And if I make weight... I, I know I lost the fight where I didn't, you know, where I, I didn't look like last time where I was completely drawn out. And then the first fight, I still, you know, I mean, struggled. I didn't, you know, didn't lose, but I struggled with uh, Moreno. And the last fight I got destroyed, but I'm going to make weight. Okay, that's one challenge, right? That's one mental block. And then I make the weight. I still know it's a tough fight. So it's like, it's a lot on the mind. And it's like, did he add anything? Was the whole thing of making weight? The tough part about camp, but what about what did you add? What did you bring new to the table? And did you lie to yourself and say, I only lost because I didn't make weight? So did you not bring in the table just because you'd be like, if I show up with what I did, that's going to I'll win the fight. I'll take Marino in this fight. I think he's going to win the decision. I think it'll be by a wide margin, but I don't think it'll be as much of a beatdown as it was in the second fight. Marino's a He's a hell of a fighter, and it's because of his limitations and because of the hard work he had to get there and the things that, the dedication and the, you know, what you're limited at makes you better at other things. It's like, you know, someone's blind, they can hear better, right? The All their senses are stronger. That's the way it works with fighting, too. It's like the guy doesn't have speed. Then, what, you know, what is it going to take to be a great fighter if you don't have speed, power? And then you start learning all the other stuff, right? You start combining it and you say, well, if I do all this together, a lot of times that could make a very good fighter if the guy has the mental... Uh, makeup to do that. Moreno does. Brandon Moreno has the make mental makeup to do that. It's why he's champion. It's why he's going to stay champion after Saturday night. The counter, right, for Figueredo is he's got to get the jab going. He's got a longer, more powerful jab. He's got to get it going. He's got to set up the big shots. Moreno's head movement is a little bit predictable. It's a little bit more of a rhythm base, right? He's moving, and he moves to the same spot. His head ends up at two spots, right? Ends up all the way to the right or all the way to the left, on one side of his body. It could be set up for a head kick. But you have to be able to set up the shots. Figueroa doesn't set up the shots. Does he, is he going to have something consistent he can rely on? As far as like a leg kick, that he can consistently go to mess up the rhythm of Moreno. The jab, I think, is would be the shot, right? But 
what is the jab going to set up for him? Does he have anything to set the jab to set up for him? Those are the things it would take. He does have the ability. He does have natural ability, natural power to be really effective in this fight. But he has to put that stuff together. And it's not going to just be like, I'm going to show up and land something powerful and use, you know, without a game plan. It's just not going to be a guy like Miranda like that. Now we got a boxing card and boxing's coming back. And this is, to me, is a, it's a pretty interesting fight. You got Gary Russell Jr., right? Um, 126-pound champ, right? Longest-reigning champ. A little bit deceiving because he fights so little that really the thing would be like how many title defenses someone has would probably be the most impressive stat there. But, you know, there's a lot of stats out there. People want to use them to benefit you. Versus Mark Maxile. And Maxile, a Filipino fighter, very explosive, very strong. Has some technical problems, um, but been working with Freddie Roach, I think he'll have little improvements the more and more it goes on where they get out the little kinks, but he has a lot of little kinks. But he also has a lot of power and a lot of speed. And just like Figueroa we were just talking about, that, that power and his speed, you know, when he has that, is he going to be relying on that? Because he has been relying on that. That's the truth of it. He has been relying on that. But it's worked to this point. But when you find a guy like Gary Russell who has speed as well, who has... You know, maybe not the greatest punching power, but, you know, can, because of his speed and because of his technique, he can hit you when you're not paying attention, right? When you don't see it, it could put you to sleep. Very skilled, very technical, doesn't give you much, right? Now, you're going to make, he's going to make you earn it. And Mark Masayo, you know, who is a big 126, a humongous 126, is going to come forward and be confident, he's going to believe in himself. But he could very much, very soon, lose all that confidence in a fight with Gary Russell. On just Gary Russell not being there to be hit. And Gary Russell making you pay for when you jump in. No one's really made Mark uh, Maxile pay for coming in the way he does, right? No one's really frustrated him to where he can't land. Because he usually lands. But he might not land on Gary Russell, especially right away. Now, Gary Russell is a southpaw. He's a boxer, right? He's very smart in the ring. He uh, his, holds his hands out pretty far in front of him. Um, and he uses that for speed, but he uses it defensively as well. You know, the way I explain that, right, defensively, is you put your hands out in front of you, right? Who With Gary Russell, who already has great reflexes and great speed, but now he's that much faster with his punches because his punches are already right there in front of you, right? Also, if you attack him, his reflexes are very good. But now his reflexes are even better because his hands are already there to push you back or they're there to block the shot. He could get, he could hold his arms tight and block the shot from a far distance and then his body could react, right? You're going to hit his hands first and then his body's going to react automatically. Now, this doesn't mean that Gary Russell's, uh, you know, doesn't have some weaknesses. I do see some weaknesses. When he throws his left hand, which... Isn't like his, you know, most effective shot. But when he throws left hand, he oversteps it and he loses his positioning. He kind of has to overstep with his back foot. Sometimes that sets up a big right hook for him. But sometimes that leaves him stuck in a position where the guy can respond. And with a guy like Mark McSyle, who's going to respond with the left hook, who's going to respond with explosive body shot or explosive um, right hand, that could get him in trouble. And I think that this is going to be a battle of. Gary Russell's right hook versus Mark Maxile's left hook. And to see if Gary Russell just eliminates it from his game, something tells me he won't. 
right? Until so, so he tells you he's not going to eliminate it from the game. He's going to truly believe that he can hit it because Mark Marcel drops, drops his hand, his left hand. So the right hook will be there for Gary Russell. The problem with that is, though, Mark Marcel has a big, beautiful counter left hook. So that's the game right there, right? The, the shot's there for Gary Russell. He wants to land it. He's good at it. But the flaw that Mark McSyle has by dropping his hand actually is going to create an opening for him to counter with his left hand. I think that's his best chance in this fight is to counter that shot. And especially when Gary Russell gets a little greedy and he lands a combination, he will sit on a combination to make sure he could get three or four or five shots. I think Gary Russell would probably be smart to limit or see how he hides his hook. I think to stick to the jab, stick to moving around the ring, frustrate Mark Maxile, who I expect to get dropped a few times in this fight just off of balance alone, right? Not maybe even necessarily power. I think if Mark Maxile gets dropped or stopped in this fight, it's going to be to the shots to his body because for some reason, body shots are, he's a little bit susceptible to them. And Gary Russell can pound the, can pound the body. I expect early Gary Russell to frustrate him, uh, Mark Maxile a little bit, not be there for his shots. I think that Gary Russell gets confidence as the fight goes on, especially the mid-rounds. And I, believe, I expect him to, you know, put it on Mark Russell, who will be there to be put it on. But when that happens, Mark Russell is going to punch back. He's going to look to counter. And that right hook to left hook is going to be the most interesting thing. And if Mark Russell can make Gary Russell pay when he oversteps with his left hand and his left foot. That's the most interesting thing to me in this fight. Mark Russell has the power. He has, but the problem is he also has twitches, right? He has to reset his legs a lot of times. He's got to reset his body to get things going. In spurts, very effective. But when you have to do that at an elite level, guys make you pay. And you become a little bit predictable and they can see when you are ready to attack and when you're not ready to attack. With a guy like Gary Russell, who's kind of always in position ready to attack, besides the little flaws that I pointed out. I'm going to take Gary Russell in this fight. An unanimous decision. Like I said, I think he drops with Mark Marcel a few times, mostly due to balance. I think if he does get a stoppage or a legit, you know, um, where he has Mark Marcel on the ropes, it's going to be due to body shots. But I'll take Gary Russell, an unanimous decision, and hopefully he can get some uh, bigger fights this year, and hopefully he can stay more consistent this year. Who Gary Russell, like I said, is not, you know, and anyone that watches boxing or knows boxing knows that Gary Russell is not active. That's kind of like, you know, the running joke. Um, on the Coleman event of that, you have Subro Matias versus Petros Ananyan. And this is a rematch where Petros upset Matias in the uh, last fight, which was on the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, uh, number two undercard. And Matias started out really strong in that fight. And is, you know, a very good fighter, offensive fighter, come forward fighter. But, you know, not just like a brawler, which he is a brawler, but not just like when you think of a brawler, you think of maybe lack of skills. Like he has skills. He has ability too. He has speed, power. Defensively, he's, you know, he's aware. He gets hit. He's there to be hit. He's going to come forward. You come forward, you're going to be there to be hit most of the time. He has a tight guard, but like I said, he's going to eat shots. When he started off the last fight versus Petros, he, he had a good jab. And it was fast, and it was coming, and it was like piston-like. And that set up his offense. And 
Petros, who needs to come forward, he, he really couldn't in that fight. And yes, he was in punching range, but he wasn't be able, able to kind of gain the momentum that he likes to bully uh, Matias. And it was really because of the jab and the speed. It was it was a lot for him. Now, as the fight went on, Matias ended up using the jab last. Ended up in, uh, you know, where he was in range last time, but now he was like forehead to forehead with Petros, right? Was giving him the opportunity, giving away the speed advantage, right? Giving away the distance to where like, you got to make up this ground, but I'm going to beat you to it. And then Petros got to work. And his shots, when he can work like that, and he's given free range, he, he's a very powerful puncher. And he was just working on a punching bag, basically, in the second half of that fight. And this fight is a fight that really Matias should win if he's disciplined enough to stick to what works, right? Can he stick to what works? Can he see what works? Can his corner see what works? And stick to it. Can he stay consistent with it? Now, I think that he could. A majority of the rounds, I think there's going to still be a point in this fight where Petros is going to come on, and because he's durable, and because he hits hard, he'll always be a problem for a guy like Matias if Matias isn't consistent enough with what works. And that's the jab. The jab, the right distance on the inside, where you can still, your speed is a factor. Because when you're forward to forehead, the speed is less of a factor because you're right next to the guy. And don't give him so much options for his offense, right? Don't give him so many opportunities for his offense. I think Matias wins this fight, but I still think there's a point in the 8th, ninth, 10th round where Petros is putting it on him and there might be a survival point because he's going to stop jabbing. He's going to end up forward to forehead with him. He's going to end up in a, you know, trading shots, exchanging, surviving, I think he survives the late run, pulls out the championship rounds, and wins this fight by decision. I think it's an entertaining fight. I think Matias shows us the the going to show us the positives in this game. We're going to show we're going to see a lot of things that will be like make make you think like oh man this guy is dangerous, and then you're going to see a lot of weaknesses in it where it's like hey you know he doesn't stay consistent. How long can you stay taking shots like this with this style? I will take Matias. I told you the um, the counter is Petros kind of has to start early. He's got to get um, he's got to convince uh, Matias to go to war early. And I don't. I I think that he's got to walk through some shots. He's got to put pressure and look to physically push Matias back and start working to the body, pound the drum, and definitely more uppercuts on the men uh, uh, up the middle. I want to see what I have. Oh, I didn't, actually, I didn't even write a counter. But yeah, that's what it's going to have to be. He's going to have to start early. He's going to have to get through the shots. And not don't wait for the late run. You did last time. You got the decision. But make Matias feel that his jab is not going to be work, working. And make Matias feel like, hey, you know what? I just got to go to war with this guy. And I just got to you know blast him out of here. That's your best chance of winning. That's where you're going to do your uh, most positive work. But like I said, I have Matias winning this fight. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Ezra Podcast.